0: Hi, and welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast. I am your host, Mike Hendley. Episode 34 From Graphite to Glass with artist and teacher Jill Quinn Babcock. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm hopeful you're enjoying this summer we're having, at least in uh, this hemisphere. It's been uh, very busy. I have had the opportunity to take some vacation for the last uh, couple of weeks as I'm recording right now. I'm on vacation. So, I haven't been producing as much artwork as normal. I'm trying to get a few things done outside around the house. And so that's been going well. I have um, I have been exploring a couple of other things that I'll talk about uh, maybe in a future podcast creatively, but um, it's been good. I was able to get a, a few things done, which I'll talk about shortly. The Patreon I've been talking about is uh, is coming, so I would encourage you to uh, go to drawinginspiration.fm and subscribe to my newsletter. That'll be the first way that I announce it. And uh, you'll get advanced notice of that. I will be talking about the tiers in a uh, future podcast, probably the next one. I've been kind of holding back on this for a number of reasons, but uh, I'll be talking about that in the next podcast and talking through the tiers and my thoughts with all of that. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm trying to do this to make this podcast uh, sustainable. I started this podcast because I wanted to get better uh, by talking to other artists. And I've heard from so many of you that are benefiting from these conversations. And I think that's wonderful. And I want to be able to keep this moving forward. And there are costs around that. There are things I'd like to do in the future. And so I will be providing an opportunity for us to work more closely together as patrons and supporting this podcast so keep an eye out for that so uh, yeah I've been doing more work on a video course so I'm going to be doing my first video course and so I'm still spiking that out I'm going to uh, wait till that goes live but I have been doing a bit more work on that I haven't recorded it yet but I'm just laying out the script and what I'm going to cover and I'm excited about that I've talked often about uh, the ability for us to Kind of break down what we do and being able to explain it to others makes us a better person in that skill. Um, in this case, a better artist. So I think being able to look at your work from a different uh, point of view and then being able to share that with others is helpful. And I've done this with other th- skills and other things in my life. And uh, I enjoy teaching. I really do love doing that. I'm going to start with a video course and then move from there. There is uh, something tied to Patreon, which I'll talk about in a couple of weeks. I'm hopeful maybe by September I'll have an opportunity to push that course out. So uh, keep an eye and an ear out for that, and uh, that's going to be cool. So as a matter of pieces that I've worked on, I did finish that toad, which was a wonderful array of textures in graphite, and I'm really happy with the way it turned out. I think I'm going to do another frog or two. I don't think I've done a whole lot of uh, frogs or toads in graphite I've tended to do those in um, on my iPad using Procreate. So I'm probably going to do another one just because I find the textures it's such a nice mix and you know they're wonderful animals and so it was uh, I really enjoyed that so I'll uh, provide a link to that. And the other one that I uh, that I finished was a dragonfly emerging so this was based off a uh, a photo I took around the edge of our pond. We tend to leave the grass a little bit longer such that uh, when the dragonfly nymphs kind of crawl up, they can crawl up these pieces of grass and and just lodge themselves. And um, then these beautiful dragonflies emerge. We love the dragonflies because they eat the mosquitoes. <laughs> so when they emerge, it is wonderful and uh, so much nicer to be around the pond. So it's not necessarily a, I mean, this drawing may creep people out <laughs> but i just love this i love seeing nature at work i love that to, to see this point in time and i'm glad i was able to capture it uh, with the photograph and then draw it so i really i really enjoyed that and um so the next uh, i don't know you get into these modes right N- next is uh, is another insect so i'm gonna do actually doing a grasshopper and uh, that should be finished in the next week or so and then i've got two or three other things that i've planned I'm going to be getting back into a more regular routine of, um, of drawing and posting my work. I'm also going to get back into some watercolor. I was really uh, motivated by uh, my guest this week, as well as uh, some of the other artwork I've been seeing on Instagram, and so I think I'm going to get back into that and fully embrace it and uh, see where that takes me. I, I'm going to, uh, this is the kind of, this is the time of year for me when I really to start to explore this kind of stuff. And at the same time, I'm preparing for something that's completely black and white, and that is Inktober. So uh, I have some stuff planned for that, which will be coming up in future podcasts. I think one of the things that impressed me most over the last week was uh, my daughter, my youngest, uh, who's 14. She drew a character from the Umbrella Academy and just uh, showed it to me. She, does, she hasn't been drawing a whole lot. Uh, she has in the past, but hasn't uh, for quite some time. And then she just drew this character and showed me what she had done, and I was just blown away. It's, it's amazing that we have these people around us, um, you know, these adults, these kids, our own children, and they have this creativity in them, and they just choose at some point to express it. And I think we need to encourage it. I think we need to look for it and acknowledge it. And uh, I was so impressed with the work that she had done. So I'm trying to push her along, but she's her own person, and she will find her own path. But uh, being able to see this creativity coming out in the work that she did really impressed me. I'm so, uh, so proud of that. And so I just thought I'd share that. I'm not going to post her work um, with my other pieces because I'm going to respect her, uh, her need to keep that to herself. But I will confirm before I put the show notes up. And uh, so you may or may not see it. And if you don't, you'll understand why. So I think that's it for updates. So uh, let's head into the interview. I found my guest, or more specifically her artwork, on Instagram a few months ago and was immediately impressed. Yes, she draws, but she does it on glass. Her wonderfully intricate pieces are always a pleasant surprise in my feed. I dug deeper and found that her art history is quite extensive, varied, and inspiring. She has worked in acrylics, watercolor, and of course, engraving on glass. To talk about her art and her journey to this point in time, I welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast, Jill Quinn Babcock. Hi, Jill. How are you?
1: Hi. Uh, good. How are you? Good.
0: Thanks for joining me. I uh, I have to say, when I first saw your stuff, your, your, your engraving on glass, I was immediately like, this is incredible. I did not... I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think that people did this. I didn't even think it was something that you could learn. And then I went and found your website, and I looked deeper in your feed and saw the other watercolor and and all the other work that you do. And I was thinking, I just, I want to find out who you are, how you got to this point, because that seems like a huge leap. But has art always been part of your life? Is this uh, something that you've grown up with? Did you come to it late? How did it all start for you? Like as a kid?
1: Yeah, no, I was one of those nerd kids that did nothing but draw. I just wanted to draw from the youngest age I can remember, and did very little schoolwork if possible. If there was a <laughs> scribbler, I started drawing from the back of the book to the front, and the front of the book with the schoolwork didn't quite make it to the middle as fast. So, <laughs> That's yeah. awesome.
0: Were you inspired by, like when you were a young kid, was it, was it nature? Was it cartoons? Like, Do you remember your inspiration at a young age as to what you were drawing?
1: Well, my my very first drawing that I looked at something and did and then I was surprised was a little holly hobby from a little diary book I had. And I was like, well, okay, I didn't know I could
2: do that.
1: I don't know how old I was. But I guess I was more attracted to life, living things, humans, animals, birds, things like that. But I drew everything. I drew like the house across the street, the, I would sit and just draw everything I saw our car in the driveway with a cat under it the just if I saw it I drew it
0: and it was mostly drawing it wasn 't painting or anything at that time it was
1: no didn't like painting at all. My parents gave me uh, i think every young aspiring artist, your parents give you watercolor pan right away, right. which is hysterical, considering i'm now obsessed with watercolor, but they gave me a pan of. Watercolors, it was the most frustrating experience ever. I just kept ruining pictures. And I hear young people like when I'm teaching or even older people who are going back as adults to paint that say, I hate it because it ruins my pictures. And that's what I used to say, too.
0: Yeah, I will have to share my disappointment with watercolor later on as we talk as well. (laughs) (laughs) So, So did you stick with it like through high school? And did you go on to get a degree? Like how 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 important was art for you as you grew up?
1: I didn't go into art school. It's a quirky little story why, because I kind of thought I would. Because I always wanted from the youngest age I said I was gonna be an artist. Well that was after being an actress and a you know, Wonder Woman and all those things. But um <laughs> yeah. So once once I got to to like I used to tell everybody I was gonna be an artist someday. I didn't know what that entailed. But when I got into high school Grade eleven or something, my father uh took me to NASCAD, which is our local um art college. And it was an open house, and he took me through. And I was a very shy child. Remember, I said I was kind of a nerd. I just drew. I I didn't look up. I had my little clique of friends and and uh didn't didn't look up a lot from that. So you take me to my father. Walking through the school and the like, we walk through jewelry, different things. I was like, okay, this is so cool. This is so cool. Then we walk into a room with pictures of naked men everywhere. I think there might have been some women, but I just remember naked men everywhere. And um, hopefully, (laughs) that's okay to say. It was just because it was live, live model work. And I was just horrified that I was with my father and seeing these, I didn't want to look at the wall. I didn't want to do any of that. And it was just like, oh, no, 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 not going to happen. Just no. I was, I, I was just such a shy, such a sh- sort of sheltered person that I, mm-hmm. I was horrified that I was going to have to draw life models. But anyway, so that's my funny work for that one. So I have taken courses. I have been at NASCAD for side courses. Um, I've taken painting, painting, uh, you know, from different people. I belong to a little group where we all worked, like a little group of us some years ago all got together and worked, things like that.
0: Right. So you pursued a career in something else, but art was always part of that? Like part of, or did you actually have a, end up having a a career of some sort in art or graphic design? I did
1: actually, um, Like initially, I actually went in, uh, I I left the art college and went to the most artistic thing I could find, which was hairdressing. So I went to college for uh, cosmetology and um, didn't end up working in that. End ended up, uh, did a little bit, I should say, then started managing a store and just went off for maternity and never went back to that. And as soon as I was on maternity, I didn't want to leave kids it was like okay art so i was doing at this point i was wor- working with uh, chalk pastel uh primarily and i bought a box i saved money and bought a box and and uh i think i was maybe 24 years old 23 and i had a couple kids at that point and uh yeah I started the pastels and and really wanted was doing people and animals so i started a portrait business just by going to the local market or whatever on the weekends Mm -hmm. and putting advertisements because i was in a country area then and uh that grew and then i put an art class like for drawing people and that just kind of triggered everything else and ended up with a shop and a store and all different sorts of things from there
0: cool so when you did the pastels was that your first kind of business was that the first time that you sold your work
1: yes yeah not not including selling a pencil picture of wonder woman in grade seven or eight, for I forget what, I was thrilled. It was my first, I think, 50 cents or something.
0: So was it this was Linda like... Carter Wonder Woman or <laughs> yeah. was this the comic, yeah, Linda Carter? No, it was, like, it was oh.
1: actually a, like just, you know, a generic yeah. Wonder Woman, which okay. I can still remember how to draw that pattern of Wonder Woman because I used to draw it over and over.
0: <laughs> That's so, uh, awesome. Yeah. So you started uh, doing these portraits mm-hmm. in pastel, and so that was your first kind of medium that was, I'm not gonna say paying the bills, but was generating revenue for you, was working in pastels?
1: Yeah, pastel, and I did uh, graphite portraits as well, but okay. pastel was my first foray into color, into uh, doing color, and I was like, okay, this is, this is, work- it wasn't really, actually, I shouldn't say that, oil was my first. Um, okay. So I was, I was working in oil at the same time.
0: So what, like I've never tried pastel, and my oil experience was marginally worse than my watercolor experience. But I, I think I just wasn't <laughs> in the right mindset at the time. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering um, about that transition. I think a lot of people, when they get into painting, obviously, the, you know, the first two big choices are acrylic and watercolor. And, or oil. I mean, either way. I, I'm curious about that transition from acrylic to pastel. Like, what, what was that? What made you jump to pastel? And and I'm just asking this because I think a lot of artists they dabble in different mediums as they move through life, right? And yeah. I'm just wondering what was it about pastel that made you think, I'm gonna try this? Was it on a table somewhere? Was it another person's art? <laughs> like what pulled you into Pastel?
1: It it was really sort of simple and silly, I guess. I our local art store. Um, at that point was Lewis and Tolls in Halifax. This this shop that's it's not like that any and not there anymore. Same, but it was like going, it was like my husband going to the hardware store, you know, like, I'm like Tim, the tool man, only Jill, the art person going into the the shop. And it was, I would always see things and wanted to try everything. Absolutely. Everything that was art, I tend to want to try, like, really, it's annoying. So, uh, I guess I don't have time or <laughs> ability to do all of those things. It just looks so fun. So, um, I saw, yeah, it was a big box of pastels, like of chalk pastels, a big one with a lot. It was the portrait series or something, but it was a, it was a big box that had a hundred some pastels in it, and uh, it was like I'm spending the money on it, and off I did. So, and then I started to start it out, and you know, there was no YouTube, so I just kept playing. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure it out by watching anybody, but but, but it was yeah. far
0: less frustrating, I guess, than watercolor. If you were reflecting back on your watercolor experience at the time
1: oh at, at that time, yeah i yeah. still I still tried watercolor here and there and pretty much wanted to um, i don't I don't know about other people, whether you're working just for fun for business for anything else, you can paint things and then you can get so frustrated you're ripping a piece of paper up in a not very nice way mm-hmm. so um so i was I was really I was really working probably i I guess in oil at that point, so I had my parents had put me in a course, an oil painting course when I was eighteen at the college so uh i I did that and then just sort of kept working on it, yeah, the I do, yeah, and then went on to pastels, which I found easier because it didn't have the drawing time, like the drawing time right. it I still had to worry about it because it's dusty and messy, but I could stack it somewhere easier. I could put it away easier i had little kids <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it sounds like is it would it be accurate to say that your parents were quite supportive of your artistic endeavors um because it sounds like you know with your dad taking you to college and your folks um getting you into a painting course did you have that kind of positive support
2: through your, um, your my journey?
1: father my father was pretty interested in the idea he liked that like he'd be sitting on the couch and i would you know, with his head leaning or on his hand or something, and I would sit and draw him when he didn't know and then show it to him. And that, So he was the one that was really the, the push for that. It didn't come from my mother's side.
0: Okay, that's good. I mean, it's yeah. good whether you start early in life or later in life to have some, uh, some cheerleaders on your, on your side or some people around you that, that help to kind of push you along and give you that kind of endorsement, right? And, yep, yeah, uh, sure. I
1: he think- wanted me to do landscapes, though. Every painting was, why don't you do (laughs) (laughs) landscape? So he'd like it better now, because I do do stuff that has land in it and trees and things. So he'd prefer it now if he was around.
0: That's awesome. So the pastels, were you doing commissions? Is that when you were doing people, you were doing commissions mostly?
1: I was, yeah. Yeah, it was, we had, just because of the smaller community, the little paper that went out to everybody got seen. In a widespread area, so i'd I'd be pretty busy with it. and then I started classes, and that was busy as well. Okay. actually, how I met my my best friend was she came to my first class, and we've been best friends ever since. It's kind of neat.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I'm impressed you did that because the, I mean, there are so many artists that take that a similar journey. They learn something and then they teach it. Many don't take that second step teaching, and I, I honestly believe that for you to get better at anything, you need to teach what you know. uh, And that helps you to build your skill. Did you find that by teaching pastel, that it made you a better pastel artist? Did you?
1: Well, the pastel I didn't teach in. I taught only in drawing.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: Okay. Now I teach and I'll I'll do some watercolor classes and stuff as well. But at that point, I wasn't teaching pastel. I was only teaching drawing classes. Like, you know, I was like, well, I can look at things and seem to be able to draw them and you and you learn like my thing that I would always tell people and still do is I've messed up so much I started like working making money in art my third, like 31 years ago I guess now which sounds really scary 30 30 years ago okay I just didn't stop I just kept going but I made like from a young age I just kept going kept going so that was my only difference from students that I met that were adults or or friends that said they used to draw, so same, same thing. I said the only difference for whatever skill level I have or whatever is that I was just the kid that was drawing and I just didn't stop. So that's all you have to do is keep going. But I made so many mistakes and still do so many mistakes. <laughs> so every, every mistake in every medium you learn so i can cut corners a little bit when i'm showing people what to do so in a medium like if they want to it's almost like it's not cheats it's just okay if you do this this is the result so you might want to avoid doing that right um like how to help them draw more accurately um little tricks you know how to not make mud consistently with your paint you know lots of Fun things like that.
0: So do you find when you go, like if you think back to that, moving from one drawing to another, what was it that was motivating you to do the next one? Is it you want to try a different texture? Is it you want to try and capture something you haven't before? Is it just a need to have pencil and paper? Do you remember what was kind of driving you forward? whether it was whether the previous drawing was successful or not from your perspective, because we do walk away from stuff and think I, I could do better next time, or that was really, really good. Do you remember what was pulling you forward from one drawing to the next?
1: On the portrait side, it was like, I really have to make an income of some sort. <laughs> so that's the, that's, honest. that's the sad truth of it. But, um, but it, it's the fact that I, I just, I'm genuinely obsessed with art. If I, if, I've discovered that definitely over the years. If I do not, if I have a, a stretch of time, like even a week or two weeks where I'm not working on one of the things I need to, something artistic, I start getting almost depressed. Like I I, I get edgy. It's like, it's the same as, you know, you have to go out and get fresh air and do exercise to kind of keep your mojo going there, to mm-hmm. keep your your uh, your system happy. And it's definitely like that with artwork. Like I, I have to. I, I just, it's just a drive. I can't not do it. Makes regret very cranky, Jill. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, that's awesome. It's awesome that you found it and that you're able to feed it. Because I think a lot of people, and, and they they wait till later in life, and then they end up finding it. And I think that's all great as well. Like, do you have a lot of people in your classes that, come, that are coming to it late and exploring it? Because... Um, you know, they may be in their 30s, they may be retired, or whatever the case. Um, what kind of students have you taught?
1: Well, I started, um, I've taught everything from young children in our camps, mm-hmm. um, and just individually, serious drawing skills for young young teenagers to adults. I've had, oh, gee, I'm going to take a guess, cause the student that I'd say was my oldest as a gentleman, I'm going to say was probably in his mid-70s, and same every almost like, well, not even almost every adult that came in said, I've either I've always wanted to do this, or I used to draw when I was younger. And then, you know, life gets in the way and off my career goes and, and drawing and stuff stopped. And then that's when uh, and I do gr- groups, of course, but or did groups. Now I only do private because I don't have my studio the way that I did before. So okay. I do one or two students at a time, or I do private. But they and they only come in for little times because people always know exactly what they they kind of want to work on. Mm-hmm. And people get to dis- and they get discouraged. So when they come with me, it's like don't get discouraged. Like like you're gonna things aren't gonna work the way that you want them to all the time. Right. But just just keep going, that's the only thing that's you know, holding you back is stopping, really. Just keep throwing the pencil down, keep getting the paintbrush out, whatever it is you're doing, and have fun,
0: have fun with it. When you were doing commissions, uh, back to pastels, and even if you were doing that uh, in other mediums, do, do you find it hard balancing the corporate, the business requirement in producing art so you can sell it versus, this is for me, I'm drawing this piece for me. Do do you find that that internal battle difficult to manage? Uh-huh.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's I think everybody I know is an artist too. It's this it's this this thing, like the work that you have to do to produce your income and the work that you do because you're just wanting to do something. So I'm I'm more now, I'm just really now in the spot where I still do commission work. I still, whether it's in glass or paint or whatever, but I'm saying no to a lot of work because I, I want the time to, uh, it's basically, I'm going to engrave what I want. I'm going to paint what I want and have it fall from there because there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on artists when you want to do it and you're really hoping to make an income off it. I find there's a lot of pressure. For you to do to streamline into something like my father wishing me for me to do landscapes, so I still to this day get people saying, "Well, if you would just paint this, you know," and it would be like, you know, just like people we'll, like do Peggy's Cove and do like you know, and it's like, and I have, <laughs> <laughs> and I do, and it's not that I that I hate it or anything. It's just there's always this. Well, if you paint this, you'll make more money if you paint this. Because I'm, I'm really fascinated by people, by little moments that show what a person's feeling, what they're, that's probably my favorite things to have human subjects where I can capture a little moment of time. And those don't, they're not commercial in the same way as doing the other work,
0: so. Do you yeah. find you've gotten better at managing Jill the artist versus Jill the business um, now compared to 20 years ago? Do you think you've got a better balance of protecting your time?
1: I think it's, I think I'm doing better because I did leave and I was working in the school system for quite a while. I just retired in June. So um, I was working in around that for uh, 11, 12 years. Okay. So I I am getting a lot better at it, except if you talk to my children, <laughs> my <laughs> my oldest. Their, their thing is they'll say you are horrible at the business side. Like you're horrible at, you know, putting yourself out there and like I got on Instagram because you know, I have a 35-year-old child who says, "You got to be on Instagram and you got to be on these things." It's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have to do these things and it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't almost a lot of artists I know too, it doesn't it doesn't come naturally to keep like throwing your stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Like it's like oh, can somebody else do that? And I'm just going to sit here and paint right. <laughs> or engrave. And here, you you take it. You put it somewhere. <laughs> so I fight against that probably more than anything.
0: So like on the Instagram point, do you find, I do want to do a future episode just talking about the Instagram impact on artists because I think there's tremendous positive experiences that can come from it, but there's a huge negative component to that. And so I'm wondering if what your experience has been, because you've got these experiences now where you post a th- a piece that you maybe think is okay, right? And all of a sudden, it gets more likes than the, s- the stuff you thought was great. And so now you have a <laughs> bunch of little voices that are amplifying th- things for you. And do you find that pressure? Are, are, you, are you letting that hit you at all? Or do you block it? Do you, do you feel that that's problematic when you post stuff to Instagram and you get the kind of, why aren't people liking this? Or why are people liking the wrong thing do you does that bother you does that happen
1: i don't know that i'm giving it as much thought as i probably should because <laughs> <laughs> I, I i usually go on instagram and i see your stuff i see like it's like okay what did everybody post and i'll go on and and i tend to get inspired by a lot of the stuff that i see and go holy crap like how do they do that and this is really cool and i'm and I get inspired, and then it's like, okay, now I want to work. So I'm like, 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 I'm all over the place, liking things and looking up things and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, and then I forget that I have to look because sometimes people will comment, I and stuff, and it's like, oh, right, no, I have to, like, is, and I'm so appreciative. I just, I get like, I'm like a dorky kid, I guess. I well, no, they're more savvy on this than okay, I'm a dorky adult. I get. <laughs> I get on I just, it's like, oh, I get distracted by the thing that I want to see. Like, you know, that's not my thing. I already saw it. So, <laughs> so I'm looking at somebody who's doing something else. That, But I, I, I definitely see your point as it can. I, I did notice one thing that um, because I primarily do watercolor and I'm doing glass and I, i uh, if I get comments or get something, it's, it's more often I think I've sort of veered my Instagram into the glass. Mm-hmm. So, the art side doesn't get um it's sort of like, oh, she draws too, you know <laughs> oh. you know, so so it's like, oh, so I guess so, because then it's like, oh, but I really like that right, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I do do that, I suppose too, well, yeah, I was the long same answer
0: I was the same way i i I went through your feed and I saw all the glass, and it wasn't until I kind of went down below that I saw everything else and then found your website and and on from there but I mean this is the phase that you're in and I think it's good that you're whether intentionally or unintentionally providing this buffer between posting your work and looking to see how it's received Um, so that's good
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's, there's there's nothing smart about it or I think it's just a just a case of oh yeah Like, in you know, it's like, oh, and I know I haven't posted for a few days I'm working on something that, or just some orders that I can't put on, I can't put them on Instagram. So, it's, I've got a, you know, like, and then I've got a voice in my head, that oldest child voice that's like, post every day. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) But you are inspired by by other artists, which is kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. I Instagram serves that.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I love watching videos, I love seeing the art, I love, like, it's like, oh, that's how you do that? And I don't know if I can do that, but I I never did it that way. Like, that kind of, I think everybody, maybe everybody's doing that when they're on. So I have all these people that I follow, and, and just, I just love seeing, I don't know, just seeing artwork is inspiring, regardless of which avenue it comes through. Yeah,
0: exactly. So tell me about watercolor. Because you, did you go from pastels then into watercolor? Because you've spent a significant amount of time probably. Yes, on, yeah. pretty directly. Okay. And what what pulled you into watercolor? Was it something, a certain type of art, an illustration, yeah. or what pulled you there?
1: Well, it was it was pretty direct actually, and it was like, oh, I may as well do this. It's um, years <laughs> ago. I I ended up getting divorced. I know my stories so always get too big. Um, I lived on our eastern shore in my first marriage and had a few kids and stuff, and I had a shop.
0: And and we should clarify um, as well that you're in Nova Scotia. Oh, Nova Scotia. Just, yeah, the Nova we Scotia. Have listeners shore. from. Uh, Around the world. So when you said yes. when you said I think you said Halifax at one point, but I just wanna be or, clear, you're in yeah. Nova Scotia.
1: Eastern Shore, Nova Scotia. Okay. Yeah. When I was when I was um down there, I did end up with like a small shop to the house and then that was doing well. So I moved into a bigger shop, um, retail and stuff. And and in the shop I had a gallery and a classroom. So we had classes where people were coming in, like basket weaving. There was all kinds of cool things going on. And a really lovely lady, Barb, was did watercolor sceneries, like the boats and the sceneries from down the shore. And I had, people wanted watercolor class. I I did some life drawing and I did some, some uh, basic oil and a lot of children's programs. And other people came in and did stuff that I didn't know how to do or couldn't do as well. So um, she offered to come in, she agreed to come in and teach watercolor. Because, and I was saying to her, I hate watercolor, <laughs> like it's the most, Frustrating thing because I painted it in acrylic, I painted it in oil, and I used pastel. I said since I own some, I even bought more because it's like okay, come on, you've been painting in oils now, you've been, you you should be able to do this, like seriously. No, 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 I couldn't. No, I just ripping up paper. It's like what the? She did the class, so you know it was like well I may as well sit in, <laughs> like I'd be stupid not to. I it's for a good price. It's. <laughs> It's my gallery. I guess I can step into the class. No problem. It fits my budget. Right. So I sat in and the first thing I did was a feather. No, a banana. I did a banana. Very proud of my banana somewhere. (laughs) Um, Then I did a feather. But I found out with watercolor. So if anybody is transitioning or really frustrated or paints with oils or acrylics or does anything where you're layering up, um, these colors you're going from base your base tones and then going up from darks to lights. So, watercolor, so I learned at this class was like you can't do anything that you normally did. Everything, her first thing was everything you do in oil, you have to flip it around. You're doing it backwards. So, you go from light to dark and you layer up that way. I was trying to do dark. So, I was going to a watercolor pan and I was getting wet and thinking, okay, well, if I need this, you know, nice, vivid ochre color. It's not doing ochre. If I want, you know, a bright red, it's like, well, what the frig? Like it's this little light <laughs> color that's like, you know, why is it pink? Really pale. And now once it dries, it disappears and and the lines that you're getting in it, like it was just it was um frustrating. Mm-hmm. So it was instantly, I'd say in the first two hour class, it turned my world completely around. I've painted in oil since. I've done very little in pastel since I actually, well, I still had a business, so I had to do some pastel, but but I switched. So now I do have a portrait business, everything else, but things are in in watercolor now. Um, I am absolutely 100% addicted to watercolor. I love it, love it, love it.
0: So what is it about watercolor that you enjoy so much more than um, the acrylics or even the pastels?
1: I'm a picky detailed artist. I'm a realist. Okay. So... The fact that I can have, you know, a one-strand paintbrush, awesome. So, and I can do little tiny, tiny, tiny details, which is also why I like the little fine diamond bits that I can do for drilling. But pastels are big and clunky for me, even the pencils. I, there's still an avenue that when I'm close to it, I want to be able to see the detail. still. It's like this craving in me. I love miniature things. I love detail. And watercolor can be all of them sometimes people see some of my paintings and they don't know that they're watercolor they think they're oil because they're deep and dark and vivid and it's like nope it's watercolor because you can do those light beautiful flowing uh colors where the colors bleed into each other and they look amazing um i don't i don't um do a lot of that but i i use some of those in background sort of things but And then you can actually, you layer it up and it's a patience thing. It takes a long time for me to do a watercolor because you layer like one, one tone on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. And it just takes the way I'm doing it. It's it's a lot of patience. And for some people who want something, they want to go out and just paint in an hour and get something down. They could do light washes and, and do stuff and make beautiful. So it's just, it's, it can do everything. It can do the light washes. It can do the deep detail, hard lines. You can do do it all. So that's probably boy. I guess I like watercolor, especially. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs>
0: you're making me think I got yeah. <laughs> it. I keep wanting to to do more watercolor, and I haven't. <laughs> and so I, um, yeah, I, I like my graphite. The uh, so I want to ask you, like, <laughs> would you? You know, if someone is starting out, whether you're 10 or 90, you know, I, I, my feeling is drawing is something people get into fairly quickly. Do you think something yeah. like watercolor, do you think in that case, it's probably worth taking a course, whether online or in person, more than any other medium to avoid that frustration? Do you think that's a wise avenue?
1: Other people might be smart enough to pick it up and know what to do. Right? Right. <laughs> Because I, I tend to pick things up and just kind of start dabbling and seeing what it's doing. Watercolor was the one thing I couldn't pick up and dabble with the same way. I I needed that voice and that person. And maybe it's because I was doing oil and acrylic first. So I had that mentality. So it's actually useful to take courses or learn on on any medium you want really because it'll it can stop some of that frustration it can boot you ahead in your in your spot that you're at it can you know you can be at a different level when you're first starting than if you spend the first you know six months just trying to figure out how to do it and then maybe we'll give up on it and a lot of people give up on watercolor i hear it all the time and it is very unforgiving it can it like it's pretty unforgiving medium and but i tend to like that challenge of it now I get really mad when it doesn't work, but I still like the challenge.
0: Have you ever worked with gouache, or is it just strictly been? Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, but not a full painting or anything. I use okay. it. I use it more um, just to dab into spots on my watercolor,
0: just to bring in. So I do some have. I by... have
1: quite a few colors in it. Okay. Yeah, like or or strands. Like if I'm doing somebody's hair and they have dark hair their hair is actually at the st- if you see the start of the pictures it scares people because their hair is purple and pink and red and and everything else and there's all the layers that go up and you see the colors till right I don't actually use. I use a white at the end for little highlights but I I, I do not ever use black ever okay. I don't use didn't use it in watercolor or oil I don't use it in Um. I did use it in pastel sorry but I don't use it in watercolor at all. I mix to get the black, so it's the layers. So it's, yeah, it's just, take classes. That's probably a good idea.
0: Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I, um like, do you, do you do any plein air, or is it mostly that you are in studio and working with references, or?
1: Yeah, I'm usually in the studio. I go, I do live shoots. Like, I'll, I'll go cool. do a live sitting. I'll take, um... Like my last watercolor was from a sitting that I did. I've done two paintings of the same person: the practice and a performance with a cello. And and I did these pictures like like five, six, seven years ago. And last year just finished or this year they finished. No, last year. Yeah, last. (laughs) anyway it's just it's it's like when did i finish that maybe it was this year
2: it's It's
0: 2020 it's all messed up it's okay. okay it's
1: all messed up i'm pretty sure it was last year so yeah you then i go back through the stores of of photos that i've taken but i actually i really like drawing because my my watercolor is very detailed and it takes a lot of sometimes months to layer the layers i um i i like to do drawings live But I'm not, I don't use the watercolor as a wash, so the plein air is not as fun for me. I I will bring that as, I'll do that as a pencil. I'll draw.
0: And when you do your watercolor, are you drawing it? So do you draw it with graphite or do you draw it with like a a water-based colored pencil or how do you initially start a watercolor piece? Like to get those oh, places. It's, you.
1: it's this horrible long job. <laughs> like it's like why do I know there's easier ways to do things, but <laughs> but I I always get basically a practice paper. So I'm always drawing on like I have art pads just with pictures that are drawn with and then they have dark lines where I then destroyed I almost do a really perfect drawing first. Okay. Um, I'm shading it a fair bit and everything else. And then I rub the back of it with graphite and I put it onto my watercolor that way. Because I use, uh, I really like the 300 pound uh, hot press. I like, because of my detail, I don't like uh, the cold press paper as much. So I, I so I, I tend to have two pieces of work, but I ruin the one work because I use a pencil over top of the drawing to sort of trace my own drawing. And, but then I can draw because I can draw fast so I can I can draw and you know it doesn't have to be perfect I can erase I can leave the lines so there's a lot it's very freeing for me to do that mm-hmm. and it really gives me a, a look of because I had one one picture that painting that just foreshortened because of the um uh, it's a painting resilience that's one that went to France it um her legs were foreshortened she's on the top of a mountain okay and Be Jesus. the The drawing for that like took me forever because I couldn't. I it was tricking me. My the my eye was my brain was telling me one thing, my eye the other. Right. So yeah,
0: that's the one that's on your website. Been drawn a couple
1: times. Uh, That should be on the website. That's on the front page, I think.
0: That's a beautiful drawing. Yeah. Painting. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. She's been drawn twice. She's been painted. (laughs) It was a long process.
0: Yeah. The the light you captured on that is just it's wonderful. yeah, I, I first saw it and I thought this is uh, that's some kind of manipulated photograph. I think that's just brilliant. When you look at it, it's, um, it's just so well done. I love that. I love that the, uh, the horizon is off at an angle too. I think that's, that's cool. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a funky, funky um, photo. Uh, just a person she was climbing with took the picture. So I asked them for permission to uh, use the photo because as soon as I saw it, I I was like, oh my God, I have to paint this. I just loved it.
2: Oh,
0: that's brilliant. Yeah. So you, you, um, you talked, you just mentioned it, but I wonder if you can talk about this thing in France you did, because that sounded, uh, I read that on your website, that sounded kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, it was, um, well, I'm a member of the CSPWC, the Canadian Society of Painters and Watercolor. It's a, it's a, fabulous group. It's a jury group to get into. It took me eight years. Wow. <laughs> I did it. I guess you can send our, like send work in and they go on a body of work or you have to make it into so many you know, so many years to get into so many open water shows, be juried in. So I did it that way. And um, so I've had work like in Ontario and stuff for shows. And, but um, this particular piece, the one on the website, Resilience, it It got accepted for a show in Ontario and then it was shipped to France, to Avignon, where it had a, we did a collaborative um, show with the French, France's um, watercolor crew who are like amazing. And the art was, it was just, it was, it was beyond surreal to be. So my thing was, I have a piece of art going to France. I'm going with it. (laughs) so my sister my sister and I booked, and we spent ten days in France and going to the opening and the show, and it was like a massive highlight. It was just to to meet French artists and to meet the um a lot of the artists in in my group as well and uh yeah it was it was pretty, pretty exciting for you know living in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and I get to go to France and see my artwork. I was pretty excited.
0: That was cool. How long ago was that?
1: <laughs> uh, two years ago. Okay. Wow. It was two. Yeah, two years ago now that I was there.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you.
1: <laughs> yes. So far, that's the highlight. Hopefully, hopefully, I have more. But I'm sure there'll be. But lots uh, more. that was pretty exciting.
0: So you did. Um, you did some illustration as well uh, in uh, some books. So did yeah. that come about.
1: One of my stu- One of my art students. Terry, she happened to be married to a publisher. So she was in doing, I can't remember if we were drawing or watercolor class. Um, she was in that crew and then they needed something for children's books. So I ended up um, doing six in a series for them. And then it grew into some other stuff. I, I did one for Penguin Publishing, a medical book that was very exciting. Uh, you know, bones and muscles and arthritis books, so not that exciting. <laughs> But yeah, and then for some other publishing houses and, and stuff, but just a just a couple others. So I think there's only there's only about eleven books.
0: Are you still doing that but kind of stuff?
1: I veer away from it. I do get asked, um, just since the spring I've been asked to illustrate three books. Okay. Which I'm always like I'm I'm genuinely honored that somebody's asking me. It's for um self publishing I think most times. Mm-hmm. But for me, the the book illustrating process takes months, and um, there's don't don't get into it if you're looking to make money and pay bills because that's not what it does. But um,
0: that's good
2: but advice. It's
1: still pretty cool. Yeah, it's still it's still very cool. So there's a lot of people that you know, young artists or new artists will you know, and that's what I advise is say find somebody who's. New and and fresh and and like I'm invested, my time's invested in a lot of work that I need to make it pay off in the end to keep my electricity on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I I can't really take that investment of three months of work for for very little very little return. So that's the only reason I'm not doing those kind of books. But I I'm not even um I'm not heading for publishers or anything like that. Just because of the same thing, it's, it's a it's a big time commitment, a huge time commitment. It's, it's fascinating. It's interesting. I've learned a lot. Um, but I'm also, uh, my hobby, a hobby of mine is writing. So I do have books of my own that I sort of dabble in and wonder if I'll ever see somewhere. I've had lots of, over the years, I started writing when I was young too. So I've had rejection letters. Wow, they can, like, you know, I can file those. I actually have, so I should.
2: Because
1: <laughs> you get good critiques, so it's right. good.
0: <laughs> so I was like, "That's what I was going to ask you." After doing so much illustration, do you feel that you could be on the other end of it and do the writing as well? And so, when you're talking about working on these, are you talking uh, in, like children's kind of grade, mid-grade kind of books, or are you like, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, about? there's um, right now. I have two, like, I have a children's children's picture book sort of started in. Works which I rarely get to, and uh, I have one. It's being me, autism, and all because my youngest, my youngest son, has autism, and I interviewed him and took tons of pictures when he was younger. And uh, he's now 21 and working, and he's awesome. graduated college, and that's cool. And uh, but he he gave a lot of all the things that somebody autistic. I worked with children with autism as well, and and what they the things they feel when somebody just you know rubs their arm where for us we don't even notice it what does it feel like for him what's the sounds when he hears sounds why does he react certain ways why so i did all that when he was young because i didn't know when i'd really get to the finish the book i have one illustration done for it only right and uh and wrote the story based on him it's his words it's him talking about that so that's a real you know but i i 'm really not keen on the whole self publishing side for myself just because of the time investment right and and stuff so i don 't know if that'll ever end up being a, a thing or not
0: i uh, i 'd love to see that book
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I, I would too <laughs> <laughs>
0: Have you thought about um like running a Kickstarter or something like for a book like that
1: i actually I actually did get um, some people recommending that mm-hmm and uh, so I had, but it's it goes right back to goes right back to me in self promotion too, okay, like right. I'm like it's like, oh, I'm asking people to do that that doesn't seem right, like <laughs> so it's so funny, so it's a head it's a yeah, it's very much a head game on that side, so i I probably should I forgot that people told me to do that before till you said that, and I probably as soon as I hear it, it's like, oh, I can't do that <laughs> so. So I, I don't I don't really know. But it's it's a yeah, there's there's three books that I that I have them working on. But the one that I I just always said I'd like to really have done is Jared's story, which is the being me autism and all. So and I had a great forward written for it already, even from uh, his psychologist that took care of him that's a specialist in autism. And she's was pretty excited about the book and stuff, but that was like some like 10 years ago. So it's not not gotten very far. One illustration, I got there. It's written and illustrated with one picture. Well, if you uh, so. if you
0: ever put it up on Kickstarter, I'll, I'll, I would love to fight to be the first backer. So uh, it sounds brilliant.
1: <laughs> okay, thank you. I might put you up for that there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so from there, um, so you've done illustration. I mean, you've done so much stuff and now, and I don't know when this started but now you are drawing on glass and this amazed me because you've shown pictures where you draw with marker and then you come in with the tools and actually (laughs) do the rest of it which I don't understand how you do and you get the and you get the elevation and, and the textures and all that but can you talk through how you came upon doing this drawing on glass this engraving work how did that happen
1: accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> I it seems like there's weird stories for most things I do. Um a f- close friend of mine um that showed me sent me this this link or whatever to people making ornaments using plastic ornaments that you just use a Dremel and you engrave and then you can see the white that's underneath the color of the red or gold or whatever ornament and you can okay. engrave an ornament. So I was like, "Well, we have a Dremel that I really don't ever use. Like, why would I really? Well, I, I did use it for something else, but that's a whole nother business. So we'll just, <laughs> anyway, that was another art thing. But but yeah, so I I um thought, oh, that looks fun. I'm going to make your one for Christmas. So I did. I made one that was like, that was pretty cool. And then it was like, hmm, can I engrave glass? So then I got some glass pieces or whatever, and I ended up, um that year, I think that year I ended up making little piece of glass with and I didn't know anything about glass engraving. So I had it I I had the Dremel with the metal piece, not a diamond bit. Okay. And I actually engraved everything without a dime like and it was hitting so pieces of glass were like even chipping away on the edges. Very rough. The kids love them, but they I did sort of drawing on the glass. I didn't do any deep engraving because I, I would have just smash the glass to smithereens and and did these pictures just on them of something that they would love, like a place they were at, sceneries, things like that. Right. Yeah. And they they really loved them. It was like, oh my God, you should like this is really cool. You know, it was like, okay, all right. Oh, <laughs> there's gotta be more to this then. And uh, that's pretty much where it started. And by a year later for Christmas, I was using diamond bits and things. So things I could actually cut. And then I was on YouTube. I was um learning that was that was how I was like, okay, there's gotta be a way to do this. So uh Lady Leslie on YouTube, I was watching a lot of her stuff and really admired it and and she sort of coined the phrase painting with diamonds. And uh so if I ever say that it's stealing from her because because it's uh it really is like painting with diamonds because you you very quickly learn that it's it's not as simple or is easy, like I learn every time I touch the glass, I, I learn something new, huge, tons of mistakes. It's, uh, but it's, it's quite addictive as well. And supplies have to, I have to get them. Like the, the supplies aren't something you just have locally. It's uh. It's the-
0: so are you still drawing with uh, like a, a Dremel type tool and diamond bits or is there, or do you have to advance to like a different type of tool to get the, the intricacy that you do?
1: Um, well, I was using a Dremel up until the fall last year. Okay. Um, I used a Dremel with the uh oh well, gosh, I do know the name of it. <laughs> it just popped out of my head. With the extended arm, like the corded arm oh, that okay. comes off it, the the attachment. But um I burned through over time, I burned through three Dremels. It was getting quite expensive. So because this was really turning into a business, I was really selling Starting to sell glass and everything else, finally, maybe last summer it was I just went in and it's like, okay, people are using micro micro motors, basically what a dentist uses okay, so it's I ended up getting one of those. It's an investment, so because I was investing as a business i I did that, and it's it's made the world a difference because it's it's not as shaky in your hand, it's not as rough, it's smoother okay and uh and I can do a lot more detail just just being able to use that machine. And you use all kinds of bits. Like there's different, all different types of diamond bits, which I get from all over as far as the UK, silicones, rubbers, Arkansas stones. Because you have to shade, you have to highlight, you do everything just like you do on a painting.
0: Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at your artwork now and I, I just, I look at each one and I think, I've got about 15 questions about that one. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking at the... uh and and we'll prov- I'll provide links to to all of this stuff in the show notes. But uh, you know I'm looking at the owl, and you know how how do you do the pupil in the owl? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the owl the owl like as I'm as I'm going I like I'm I'm improving. I'm still like learning. I'm still low end on on the knowledge on this glass engraving thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um that one was done a nice because it was crystal. As well, I think mm-hmm. that's the crystal ornament, and it was it's actually cut very deep, so it's very 3D. It's, it 's very three d glass photo's horrible it's horrible, and photos look so much better in person but um the owl itself, like the the owls may be three inches tall, so everything's really petite and small so um the pupils everything what I learned, and I was doing it incorrectly, what I learned is i can't leave black glass i can't leave empty glass I have to hit it with a uh, even with a a type of rubber bit. Okay. Um, Anything just to give it some shade. But the pupil, I actually have to use a a special stone that just smooths the glass. Everything's about, does it, the diamond bits cut the glass really, can cut the glass really deep, and you have to smooth it out, and then you have to be able to go in and use different types of silicone to different hardnesses of it, so that it'll go back and put depth of, of shading back in you have to smooth it so i use a a stone it's a white stone called arkansas and okay. i use that and i just you just push really light and that and then you have to go back and pull that shading back out you have to or the the white back out and uh so the glass isn't clear but it's it gives it the look of the pupil and then you hit it with a like at the very end i put in highlights and and tap with the um a really small diamond bank but highlights and eyes and pupils and things like that, but that's my shtick is doing detail. <clears throat> yeah, it's fun.
0: So the white, like the really white areas, is that where you're? Like, how do you achieve on glass? Are you are you digging deep for the whites and the darker yeah. are areas that aren't worked as hard? Is that the difference?
1: Um, or they're shaded out more. the The whitest white is what's being hit with the diamonds. Okay, and isn't. Isn't being shaded back out again?
0: Okay, because I look so, at the owl and I see its two feet, and you could see on one of them quite distinctly where the highlights hitting the front part, and there's a shadow on the back part. And I just once again, I'm just blown away by your ability to <laughs> to have that tonal <laughs> range uh, carving into glass, right? Um,
1: yeah, it's all it's all little bits and things that you have to use. It's it's really it really is like painting because you. Like, you can take a Dremel and you can have fun and just do outlines and drawings, and I've seen that around, but in our area anyways, I'm not seeing anybody doing what I'm doing, probably because they think I was nuts, but the cutting into the glass deep and getting the real relief going there. So you can go back in and shadow and put some shade in that, Mm -hmm. and you put that in specifically with whatever type of silicone or rubber that you put down on it, Okay, but um, silicone really, but yeah, and that gives you your depth of shadow. So you can you can cut the glass make it really white and then you can hit it with a silicone which will give you a depth of shadow back. Just sometimes you hit everything and then you have to go back the time and then you put shade and then you, it's just yeah.
0: <laughs> and how long like for perspective? Let's say the owl one we're talking about. How long would that take you?
1: Um the owl takes takes about an hour, hour and a half. Wow. From Drawing it, I use a a sharpie marker. Said <laughs> I, I should really get like they sh- they should be. I keep I keep advertising sharpie, so I have a permanent sharpie marker that I use because the other ones I wash off too easy. And then I and then I do the outline with the uh, Arkansas or diamond bit and and um then start cutting from there. It's
0: amazing. And I had sent you a message because you had done one in a, the terrarium that's on the piece of wood that has the lighthouse, which I yes. think is just. Ugh, I, I saw it and I showed it to my wife, and she was like, "Ask her if it's available, because <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant. Because it's it's the mix of your beautiful artwork and then this terrarium kind of glass being held up by this driftwood. It just seemed like a perfect piece. Yeah, talk about that. They're all like recycled. A... Okay.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a fabulous product. I actually um, found from a company in BC, but they don't make them anymore. They've closed. Okay. So I bought the last of the little terrariums from them. So I only, I literally have six, I think left, six or seven, two black stained teak, it's teak root that's actually been recycled as well. And the glass, and the glass is all turquoise and bubbly and everything else. So I have to be careful where I put things to not hit bubbles certain ways in the glass. And it stays turquoise because it's recycled glass. So it's a fully recycled product. And then I just sort of upcycle it by by engraving on it. But the, the most popular one seems to be, I actually have another lighthouse to do now. Right. Um, that somebody just saw the last one and that one was sold as well. So they, they picked one. So I'm doing a lot of lighthouses with the waves crashing up the, because the glass drips. Yes. Drips, so I'm hoping I could find another supplier Yeah. For I, those, because they're really fun to do.
0: I am going to have to follow up with you on this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we need one in the house. So I'm going to have to talk to you about this after, after the podcast. <laughs> no problem. Um. Yeah. I. Do you do you break much glass?
1: No. Uh. Um. You have to have to watch and look for fault lines that are in the glass. Okay. Um. There's little tricky ways that I I learned. Um. Online that you don't see anything, but there's a a weakness and ping the glass is all gone. But the glass that I've broken has been from me doing stupid things like sitting the glass. I had a a chickadee glass that was actually the the colored glass it was a really pretty glass all done sitting there and it it just kind of i went to change a drill bit just to do the final like i think even just a signature on it and whatever happened just rolled off and it was like no it was under the slow motion grab for your hand (laughs) grab like i'm sitting there it went my hand my lap the floor and made a lot of noise so it was like well darn (laughs) so (laughs) if i if I have broken glass, um really the only broken glass has been from me doing something stupid.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, gravity's not your friend when it comes to that stuff. So uh <laughs> yeah.
1: No. No, not necessarily.
0: Do you would you recommend somebody trying this?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. it's super fun. If you have a Dremel, just don't use the metal tip. Just telling you, get the use the, here like i don't know about where you are or where other people but my there is a a spot in ontario that i'm i'm buying some diamond bits from and stuff now too but most a lot of a lot of my stuff was coming from the uk okay um you know, you get a little expensive package the size of a postage stamp.
2: <laughs> like, mm-hmm.
1: how is how is this so expensive <laughs> all for right. all these? Because the drill bits and the things are are it's a it's a pricey little thing to get into to really get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a bit of investing. So, um, but that doesn't mean if you have a Dremel uh, or a Flex Wand, it's called a Flex Wand, okay. Dremel Flex Wand. But like I said, I I'm just I'm engraving for so many hours straight that mm-hmm. I'm burning them out. They're not meant to do that. Right. Um. And and that gets expensive. <laughs> They're not a disposable tool. So yeah. So, um. But yeah, people have a Dremel, have a flex wand. Just get diamond bits on it and have fun. Just to even doing outlines, people can trace things. They can they can um put anything on it.
0: Is there a type of glass that you should start with or that you recommend working with?
1: Well, I'm I'm doing sort of two things. I the f- most fun is engraving crystal because crystal's a lot softer. I, I wear a lot. The other thing is if people are doing it, you want to have, you want to protect yourself. Um, the dust from glass is, is, de- is it can be deadly over periods of time, right? right. Like it's not good for your lungs. So, so I have, like I have an extractor machine. I have a water drip. I have, because you have to have water on it too, and have ear protection and a big like ventilator thing on my face. <laughs> I don't trust even, I found I was coughing when I was just wearing a mask so i I wear sort of the, the bigger the bigger uh dust mask and stuff too but but absolutely when you're doing it just wear wear when you're first just doing it that just a regular mask would be fine i'm right. I'm going deep and doing a lot and it was the glass and crystal yeah the I kind of have been wanting people to be able to own pieces, so I do some delicate pieces, but I find it's kind of nice. Even though it's harder, it's harder on the diamond bits and stuff. And it, crystal comes out whiter okay. than glass as well. But if I do it in glass and I get restaurant-grade glass, basically, I have suppliers that I bring in now for certain types of glass that I use, right. or I'll just go out and find a piece of glass I love. And you have to do that to uh, – you want it to be – the thinner the glass, well, you have to stay on the surface. You can't get that 3D relief look like i said the photos don't do it just it looks it's much prettier to see glass in in real life right but uh thicker glass restaurant grade and then actually you have a wine glass like that it tips on your counter it just tips over the glass doesn't break you know you you have a wine to, which is just travesty that the wine is right. spilled. <laughs> yes but <laughs> but the glass is usually okay so but if it's a crystal delicate glass it's it's a little more breakable so i I do a lot of things in glass so that it keeps the cost down and people can really use it. The idea is use it, get a drinking glass and use it every day. Like right. every day, just take it out because it'll make you happy.
0: Nice. Like, Good you point. Yeah, you don't want it sitting yeah. in a cabinet all the time, right? You want to be able to look at no, it. No, I do yeah.
1: pieces that I've given friends and they're in CAS. Like, no, take them out. Like, if it breaks, okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's not the end of the world but but use it. It's like they always say keep things in, but yeah. No, take it out and use it. Hmm. Like you can get a regular drink glass engraved and and use it for your water every day. I have a water glass that I use that's got blue jay, a blue jay tree limbs and stuff on
2: it.
0: Is there a t- a subject cuz you mentioned blue jays. I'm looking at I I think this is a deer down here and uh, you mentioned the chickadee. Are you doing more are you doing different pieces? It sounds like you're doing more nature than anything else on the glass is yeah. that true
1: yeah i do i've i've done a ton of different animals i did a smattering when i first started my worst <laughs> thing was i want to do everything cuz it's like well you can draw it so so like you know there's like there's a world of things to do so i had you know polar bears and frogs and like you know there's just every gamut fox and like anything that you can put on so mm-hmm. it was like okay this is silly cuz then how do you how do you store all this glass? So now I'm selling it, but how do you even put it out? Because so now I tend to repeat a lot of pattern, like on the business side, I love doing the birds. So I do a lot of birds, the buck, the deer, things like that. I mm-hmm. like koi fish, like, but I'll do a lot of repeat ones, because they're, they're also super popular, and they're really fun to do. And everyone, even though, I might do, like if I do a necklace with a chickadee on it, it's, um, I'll do a lot of necklaces with chickadees, but all the, bran- like the branches, everything will be different, the chickadee will look different. There's no two pieces that can be alike or identical, even if I wanted them to. And yeah. so
0: this is gonna be your, your push for the next while, is, is doing this on, on Yes, glass. this is your Yeah, this obsession. and, and
1: card, um, cards and prints, so okay. painting. So I have to, and it's really hard to find time for painting and card line and <laughs> and, and glass and, and glass line so it's like um like yeah it's hard to be split because it's like do i go i'm standing there in the middle of the house going do i go paint right now do i go engrave right now i don't know which way to go so
0: and is engraving a little bit more of a startup procedure than obviously painting is it or is your setup such that you can just sit down and start
1: well, it takes a little bit of time to get all the stuff on you.
0: Right, <laughs> like right.
2: I,
1: I look like a crazy, crazy thing when I'm <laughs> all done up, but but just I I have a lot of glass prepped and ready. It's just yeah, I I can go sit down and get get started. The the actual problem with the glass is if I have to go out in the afternoon, the the vents and the straps and everything, I, it leaves dents on my face Perfect. that don't go away for a long time, and it destroys my hair. So this is. Yeah, um, so I I do that and then I uh, I can't go out, so I have to time. It. It's like no, got to go out today. Can't got to paint right now. That's it's uh, not going to leave me looking like somebody just beat me up or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I want to ask you about homework, but I have one more question, and that is, you know, with the all the work you're doing with the glass and the prints and the business, do you still find time for yourself every day to draw? Do you, are you still having that opportunity to just sit down and put something on paper, or is it harder now?
1: It's it's a lot harder because I'm really trying to do the make-a-living part. So, right. But the drawing that I do get to do is I draw to do the prep for the paintings. So like I was drawing some yesterday, but sitting and drawing, like I'm watching you do your drawings on uh, Instagram and that, and it's like, oh, I just sit and just because I actually love pencil work. I love pencil drawings. And if there's anything I really miss, it's just sitting down and drawing. Just drawing, just for whatever I want to draw.
2: Hmm.
1: And, and I don't get the time to do that, that I would really like
2: to.
0: Well, maybe, I mean, if you're up to it, maybe at some point we could draw together on Instagram. That would be kind of That'd an interesting awesome. uh, like a a dual session we just pick i don't know our version of a chickadee each or something and we just draw and chat about drawing that would be kind of fun and maybe maybe for people to watch.
1: Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah.
0: We'll follow up with that. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that'll be cool. <laughs> So I always have to tell me how to do that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. It's uh we'll sort that out. So if if you're listening to this podcast, um, keep an eye for us on Instagram. And if we do uh, move ahead with this, I'll post uh, like a notice in advance so people can, uh, can know when to tune in, but that would be kind of fun. Maybe, um, we only yeah, have an that hour, would be a lot of fun when you only, when you do it live, you only have an hour. So we would have an hour to do whatever we're going to do. And then the Instagram live stuff ends. So, uh, But that would be fun. Okay. Yeah. It would force you to draw. It
1: would be fun. (laughs) Yeah. It would force me to draw. It would get me drawing for sure.
0: Yeah. So that would be cool. (laughs) Okay. We'll follow up on that. So I always ask my guests for homework because I always think that's fun to have an action uh, when, when you're listening to a podcast, especially about creativity and about drawing and about painting. So what's your thought about some kind of exercise that the listener could do?
1: Well, it might be one that they've heard a million times already, but... This is something that I tell students when they come to me. Everybody wants to have a completed picture. They want to do a picture beginning to end and they're concentrating on that picture and doing it. My obsession, particularly in their earlier years when I was drawing, was it's whatever you like to do. If it's drawing, if it's painting, if it's sculpting, uh, whatever you can transport it into any medium that you're using, Mm -hmm. but a really good thing to do is to to improve is pick one of the things pick pick something on a day that you really like to draw or you're if it's drawing for example or you have trouble drawing and like for faces, I used to sit with a mirror and just draw my face i drew drew noses over and over and over drew ears over and over and over drew my hand over and over sometimes I still sit and draw my hand like it's don't don't worry about doing a completed piece every time you work so homework would be whatever medium you're using pick one spot of it one thing it could be a color mixing exercise it could be um, like what kind of colors can you get what kind of washes can you do and take something that it's you call it scrap but it's not really scrap because it's good to keep and look on mm-hmm. and look back on and do something repetitively um, just just have fun like just staying in on that one subject don't do the whole so if it's a whole face don't do that like what is it what is it you find most difficult or what is it you want to improve if it's eyes then look at eyes look at them draw what you see not what you think you see so and just draw one and draw another one and draw another one look at pictures get magazines put them up on your computer do whatever you have to do and just keep drawing so don't finish the picture do one eye who cares just do one and and see how you do as you progress.
0: That's a that's a good idea. I've, I've always struggled with. I mean, as an artist, you always even when you're doing an actual piece, you struggle with: is it done? <laughs> Should I work on this? <laughs> is it done? Um, but you know, done's better than perfect. And if you narrow your scope of what you're doing to, like you say, an eye or a nose, uh, it's much easier to achieve that. than think, and I, and I agree. Like I, for some reason, I've drawn my feet a lot. Maybe because I'm on a couch <laughs> when I'm drawing. <laughs> but the same thing you, you you look at like what am i going to draw well there's um, you know tv's on but oh there's a foot <laughs> i'll do the foot yeah, yeah yeah good point
1: well there's yeah there's always there's always the thing that you want to do better like yeah just pick a section of it don't don't feel you have to invest the 10 hours in the full picture
2: mm-hmm.
1: spend half an hour doing the same sort of thing from different vantage points or the same thing from from different aspects, however, however that works, and and just do it, yeah, just repeat it, and then when you go to do the big thing, it's going to be like, oh wow, I've been doing this, I I got this, right. I got this.
0: That's that's good homework. I like that. So, Jill, where can people find you online? Well, I'm on Instagram,
1: <laughs> obviously, um, just under my name. I have a glass website and Facebook site, the Artful Cut Engraved Glass and uh my name jill quinn babcock is on facebook and on on uh, dot com
0: okay okay so i will oh. include links to all of those and i wanted to say thank you thank you for for responding to me reaching out and thank you for posting all your wonderful pieces uh, your work inspires me to want to do what i do and wanting to explore and and i love being curious and that you, pref- that you were able to set aside so much time to kind of explain your journey to this point, because I'm going to leave this conversation thinking there's stuff I want to try and there's stuff I need to do better. And uh, I just wanted to thank you so much for, for making the time available. This was great.
1: Well, thank you for asking me. This is awesome. And you inspire me when I'm watching you draw and they're thinking I've got to get to it. So right back at you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. 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 Thank you so much. Thank Jill. you. Okay. Okay. Bye. okay. Bye-bye. Show notes, including links to everything Jill and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 34. You can find links to my social media accounts at drawinginspiration.fm, including my Instagram, which is Mike underscore where I post all my art. Follow me or tag me so I can see what you've created recently. Until next time, be kind to one another and keep drawing. The music for this podcast is Acid Jazz provided by Kevin McLeod.